Gerhardt's back. The more things change, the more they stay the same. From NJ1015.com, this is the new Jim Gerhardt Podcast. And again, Bob Williams and Jim Gerhardt sort of uh, hunkering down on the porch of the old general store. Mm, yeah, that's us. <laughs> watching, watching New Jersey Parade go by. Doing a little whittling. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Some of the things we'll talk about today, uh, we got a few stories here. The, uh, uh, the sheriff. Of uh, one of the North Jersey counties, was Bergen County, yeah, Bergen County was it? He was ridden mm-hmm. out of town on the politically correct rail. <laughs> the the uh, oh, here's one. I'll talk a little bit more about this later. A father who saved his daughter. Did you see that story? From a carjacker who was choking her over and, Milburn, and over Milburn, her. yeah, yeah, uh, and he had a gun. Mm-hmm. Now, my question about that is, you're going to see it on our station and and the New Jersey media. You're not going to see it anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Because the stories about people who actually use guns positively to save their daughters' lives. Nobody likes that. Uh, A congressman who was unmercifully assailed for having an opinion. And uh, how to become a judge, a superior court judge. I have a memo, very secret memo, honest to Pete, I found in my garage from back in the early 90s about uh, the recommendation of a committee uh, under the, uh, the, the governor at the time uh, picking people who were selected for appointment to the Superior Court bench. Okay. And uh, I was going to say you'll never believe how they qualify, <laughs> but you probably will think of that. Can't wait However, to hear that one. The, the, the big story on Eyewitless News this morning is somebody shaved on a train. Oh, Will you tell yeah. me why that interested anybody? I guess it's just the disgusting nature of it that somebody's got What's the chutzpah disgusting to— about shaving? Well, in the middle, uh, you've seen the video, right? You've seen it, right? No, I just saw some still pictures. Oh, my God. This guy's like uh, doing a full, he's got the cream on the face. Yeah. He's doing the shave. And then he flicks all of the the residue <laughs> all over the seats. It's just disgusting. Uh, well, it sure got attention, though. Right, true. Yeah, a lot of attention. Also, again, the uh, we had mentioned that last week, that the, uh, the talking about stories that are probably not going to get widely circulated outside New Jersey. Uh, these two guys, the heroes who jumped in, gave their lives to send uh, to save a drowning man who turned out to not drown. Mm. So uh, some of the things we will kick around here. Uh, first of all, I, I think the sheriff thing was interesting to me in a sense. Now, what he did, and I don't have it in front of me, the quote, and I probably wouldn't quote some of it anyway. He indicated uh, in this statement, do you know on what was the venue of this rant i think it was a a radio interview or something like earlier this year and i think it was uh is being recorded uh off cam off camera off mic and it it was i don't know if it was a secret uh recording or something that it wasn't like a big public address or something right it was uh, apparently an off the record conversation kind of a thing well he said he implied that the current attorney general who's been in our news recently uh, got his job because he wore a turban which is simply to say nothing to do with the turban, obviously, but because of uh, ethnic considerations in, in uh, appointments. Uh, the other thing he said was, and I believe that indicated that he said that, uh, what was it, blacks get to do anything they want in this country? Yeah, something to that effect. To, okay, yeah. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Now, my first impression was, I mean, obviously, in his job as sheriff, that— I can't imagine doing that because he's supposed to be completely impartial in administering the law. Right. And if he thought that, he should keep it to himself. And my big objection, and the reason I don't have any problem with him being ridden out of town on the rail, 
is that if the man is dumb enough to do that, hmm. I, I don't think I'd feel very safe in his care. Did you see but, that uh, he and about four of his underlings who also had to resign, uh-huh. uh, they're still uh, they're they're double dipping on the old pension system. Okay, then I'm going to get back to uh, a, a bit. But but my my reaction was, if I had a dollar for every person I'd heard say that or something similar in the last 30 years. Right, what the guy said uh, apparently off record. Yeah, I could retire to a Caribbean island. Now, I don't know if anybody wants to admit this or not, but this is what many, many people think, totally convinced that there is a double standard going on, and the people, because of ethnicity, are in the catbird seat right now, and other people are being diminished because of it. You know that business. I didn't get appointed because, you know, I got the highest test on the police score, and yet the black guy, he got promoted. Uh, These stories go around. But the interesting thing, it is a mindset that this double standard obtains that is much bigger than maybe people think. I don't know. You've heard people say things like that. Mm -hmm. And they do it when they finally blow. They're, they're, uh, oh, frustrated about something or other. They didn't get a promotion. I I know a case, for example, where a person... Uh, very, very well qualified. A young man had applied for uh, a graduate school and, and a, to a graduate school in New Jersey. And uh, I happen to know and be able to talk to somebody, a professor there who was on the uh, with the selection committee. Mm. And the thing is that what was his name? I said his name, and he said that wrong name, wrong color. Mm. He doesn't have a chance. Now, whether things like that are true or not, I don't know. But you cannot deny that there is that perception out there among a lot of people that uh, these are groups are in the catbird seat right now. And uh, things like this occur. But again, as far as the sheriff's concerned, now, as you brought up, (laughs) this is ironic. He goes out with over $100,000 a year, six-figure pension. He was previously the Emerson Police Department chief. Well, I don't doubt that. We've had people who have had six different jobs collecting a pension on each one of them when they go. Did he have the the, the ubiquitous unused sick days? Uh, Not not aware of that. Uh, (laughs) I bet you he did. I'll bet you. No, I don't know. I I don't know the man. I don't know anything about his career. Let's say it this way. It would not surprise me to find out that he collected, that he never had a sick day in 30 years in any of those jobs. Now, even if that's not true about him, it has been true of many people in the past. And so you collect this current rate for a day's pay, which is pretty high for these people. For every day you did not take a a sick day 30 years ago when what you were making was a tenth of this. Right. So it's a scam. It's a terrible scam. Now. Yeah, big time. And you get what's known in the, in the business as the boat check to mm-hmm. go buy your yacht yeah. with. And so uh, a typical, typical bit of, uh, of New Jersey. Now, here's one that I, I have very serious doubts you'll see in media outside New Jersey. I don't think you're going to see this in the so-called mainstream media because it does involve a very positive life-saving use of a gun by a civilian. And you, do you know that story? Uh, the you, one in Milburn, right? In, in Milburn, yeah. yeah. Here's a family. They come home from a vacation. They have two cars. They're unloading the cars in their driveway. Two pieces of ambulatory, you know what, turn up. And one has a gun, or of course the media has to be careful and say what appeared to be a gun. 
And what, uh, he's, he's got the daughter, a young daughter, by the throat choking her. And he says, I will kill her. I'm going to kill her if you don't give me the keys to the other car, because he had snatched the keys from the first car from her. Well, the father, to make a short story of it, and apparently there's two or three of these guys there, the father went back and says, okay, I'm going to get the keys out of the other car. But he also had a gun in there, mm-hmm. according to the story. He comes back with a gun, tells this piece of ambulatory crap, <laughs> to, uh, get out on your knees. Well, instead of getting on his knees, this guy hightailed it out of here. Mm, <laughs> yeah. He kicked in the afterburner. And they ran and jumped in a car that had been waiting for them, and off they went. And so here, because of the gun, and I suppose to be politically correct, we have, to be fair to the father, we have to say the father came back with what appeared to be a gun. <laughs> because what happens is, if you don't say that the assailant had what appeared to be a gun, then it will be claimed that the father had shot. The father didn't shoot him. But if he had, there would have been all kind of uh, crocodile tears right. and yelling and screaming, the poor guy wasn't a real gun, and, and okay. you get that whole thing. He'd end up a hero. But as it was... Now, I didn't hear that story, but this took place a couple of years ago. And so they just sentenced him. I believe it was 12 years in jail, which is not nearly enough. And they never caught the others, but one of them they did fine. But I thought I think it's very interesting to watch now. It's an interesting story, you have to admit. And it's the kind of story that normally would get a lot of attention. But I think you're not going to see much attention. It's amazing how things get buried. Yeah, because it does cast a good light on the gun. Yeah, Everybody knows guns are to be used in Chicago to kill slews of people and mm. shoot them every weekend that's they're made for the shooting gallery not not for general consumption okay we have a word and uh then we shall continue i want to tell you about the congressman uh and why this story is important i think it's very very important because it shows the slope down which we are moving toward a great deal of unhappiness and that coming up Hi, I'm Jim Gerhardt. I'd like to uh, tell you another story about Robert Dukansky at Remax First Advantage. An investor in Port Reading found out the power of Rob Dukansky's marketing and why having a huge database of buyers is so important. Now, the buyer purchased and renovated a home, but it was sitting directly across from the turnpike, and that meant trouble. But no problem for Rob Dukansky. Rob and his team came in. They designed a specific marketing plan, matched the buyers to it. After 13 showings in two weeks, a bidding war took place, and it got him over the asking price. Now, that is the power of Rob Dukansky. Rob guarantees to sell your home at a price and a deadline you agree to, or he'll buy it. No risk, because he'll let you out of the contract anytime. So what do you do if your real estate agent can't sell your home? Why, well, you call the official real estate agent of 101.5, and the only agent I would think of calling if I needed to sell my home, that's Rob Dukansky, 855-350-1015, 855-350-1015, or go online to robsellsnj.com and start your packing. Oh, I wanted to mention, for yeah. those who might be seeing this in a little film clip, I am not trying out for the part of Quasimodo no? in the uh, local little theater because my back. <laughs> oh, I'm wearing gosh. a back brace. I've never oh, had are? to do that before. Yeah. What I did, and, and I, I don't know how precedented this is, <laughs> but I think I have destroyed my spine by spending a couple of months reaching down, picking up puppy poop. 
Uh, <laughs> with, yeah. with the litter of puppies we have. I can understand that. And yeah. I tell you, it's something. And, and they're pretty much in the house in, in different parts of it. Mm. <laughs> and I've gone around. And the bigger they are. Yeah. <laughs> the we bigger. have bought, and I think if you want to make some money, buy stock and paper towels. <laughs> because <laughs> we have got a garage full of them. And constantly, every time you move. Now, we are talking about originally eight puppies. Yeah. And, of course, uh, you know, we're down now to a little fewer than that. But as the, as the, as the flock, the herd, the pack diminishes, the volume of that commodity yes. <laughs> is bigger. Mm-hmm, so, right. <laughs> so consequently, yeah. I got to the point that I was having spasms in my back. So this is, this is what somebody might be seeing. You still looking for homes for a couple of them? Or are you not not at this that? point, really. Not at this mm-hmm. point, really. I think uh, the intent now is to take the ones that are left. We sold some. I think they all went just sort of coincidentally to people in Boston, of right. all places, who wanted them. And the intent is right now to keep them at least to train, except my personal dog, Mighty Man for the Wonder Dog. The, re- the red. The red. Big red. Yeah, the big red. Uh, and uh, we'll keep maybe one more, so mm-hmm. a couple. But then the rest, I think uh, Nancy wants to train them to be service dogs and hopefully find like a veteran who needs a service dog. Mm. I think that would be a great thing to do. Yeah. Although these are enormously expensive to raise, but nevertheless, that I think we would be happy. Otherwise, you don't like to. These dogs become part of your family. Yeah. They have personalities. You know them. And so you don't feel good about selling them because you don't know where they're going. Yeah. I'm amazed at how big they have gotten in such a short period of time. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, what are they up to? About 40 pounds They're each? 40 pounds now, and they're, what, 13 weeks old oh, or something like that. <laughs> All right. Let, let me get to something here. This uh, is something that uh, is serious, and it should bother everybody, really. And that is the slope we're going down now uh, by bullying by various groups who seem to have found themselves in a great deal of authority. Now, later, I want to touch on why I think this is. I think there's a certain amount of humanity, human relations in this, which basically is if you have been bullied and then you find out that if somebody punches the high school bully in the nose, you can bully him. Mm. And I think yeah. this, is, this is sort of compensatory bullying mm. <laughs> going on right now. And a victim of that was New Jersey Congressman Chris Smith of the 4th District, which is central New Jersey. Very popular. I think uh, Congressman Smith has been in that office now for close to 30 years, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. Uh, and he is well known uh, to maintain his, his popularity with excellent constituent services. But anyway, he, and I do not know exactly the venue here, but it was, I'm told, uh, maybe he was an informal chat with a classroom, perhaps, but they would be maybe college level or a bit older. But, and it was an informal conversation with whatever group. And they got onto the subject of uh, adoptions by same-sex couples. Now, he at some point in there indicated that that was fine, but and certainly legal, obviously, but he would prefer that children be adopted by traditional families. Now, I can see an argument for that if you want. In this society, hmm. this, I think, would be something that you would consider. But then all hell broke loose. He was assailed by this alphabet soup, L-S-P-T-Z-X-Y over two times Y squared equal, you know, whatever the, the group is on that. Uh, to the point is that, to my great disappointment, naturally, he has to grovel. and. So, but my point is it was an opinion 
He did not say, I'm going to introduce legislation, I'm going to support legislation. He's to not, prevent. No, wasn't not at setting all. Policy he didn't even say, I'm going to urge anybody to do yeah. this. I'm not going to stop anybody from doing it. It's just my opinion. It might be a little better. And, and they got him. Now, as you see what happens, now this same group that we're talking about has openly advocated there be gulags to send people who are not comfortable with transsexuality or transsexualism, whatever they call it. Didn't say anybody who's stopping it or tried to stop it or got in the way of it, but a gulag for anybody who doesn't really approve it. Now, you know what a gulag is. Mm. This is the Russian system of institutions that would range from mental to criminal, uh, hard labor type things. Mm. But now here's where this goes. And they're serious about this. They're very serious about it. So what's happening now? Uh, you know that Dennis and Judy, for example, got sentenced to uh, sensitivity training or making a remark that was considered not to be in keeping with what's permissible now. Although I must say, to great credit of the person who was proclaimed by the governor to be the victim, he didn't react and bother with it. He, he, he behaved very maturely and like a highly intelligent gentleman of the whole thing. But it was taken out of his hands uh, and I think the, the governor, as far as I could see publicly, it sort of led the charge against it. But anyway, uh, the station went into penance, and uh, you, you know that story. But the, uh, what happens, you go from sensitivity, uh, sensitivity training, which is simply trying to indoctrinate you into an entirely different view. Uh, then from that, you get, like they're saying, you declare that it's a mental defect. To deviate. Now, I'm not talking purely in terms of this one incident about uh, same-sex couples adopting children. I'm talking about anybody who disagrees with uh, this what hard-left ideology. Uh, you will be declared mentally deficient, and this is sort of a, well, the sensitivity training uh, somewhat like an ideological boot camp, if you want, indoctrination. Uh, then they want you sent to a. a Asylum, if you want. I don't know what they wanted to call it, but institutions somewhere, installations where you are declared to be mentally deficient mm. because you don't follow the party line. Then the actual gulag, when it becomes sort of criminalized to have a counter opinion of anything. So what we're talking about here is the cr ultimate criminalization of opinion, not of any action that you have taken that is illegal, immoral, or fattening, you know, if you want. Uh, but this is, this is the slope we're going down. Hmm. Remember that the, uh, the Washington Post had declared that the Carolina storms were the fault of President Trump mm -hmm. because of his attitude toward global warming. What that has to do with it, I have no idea. But this is where we're going because nobody will push back. Yeah. And this is why I get tired of the endless groveling. Um, but I, I, I think what's going on here with this, this particular group that deals in, uh, I don't know, what would you call it, sexual uh, what areas, I suppose, that have to do with that one sexual, can't call it proclivity, genetic what programming or what. Uh, call it what you will. Because, well, you know, all the, all the letters strung together, which I can never remember, and they keep adding letters to it. But uh, I, I see this with a little bit of sympathy, because I think this is a whole area of uh, embracing humans who have, well, for example, okay, to sum it up, 
You go back 20, 30 years, homosexuality was a mortal sin and a criminal act. In less than a generation, it has become almost a holy sacrament, if you want. And one of the reasons is that the people are standing up, and nobody else counted that is standing up. It's the same reason, I think, that actually Christianity, to a large extent, is under fire and some persecution in this country. It's because, you know, nobody will kick back. And so, in a sense, you have to admire the people, like in this group, or, again, some of the ethnic groups, because they'll try to kick your butt if you lean on them. But anyway, here are people, I think, who maybe much of their lives have uh, been made very uncomfortable by the culture about them for their, uh, again, proclivities. <laughs> I, I don't like that word, but I can't yeah. think of a better one right now. Uh, and all of a sudden, they find themselves in uh, a position of some power, really, with the backing of the political establishment and the like. See, politicians will pander and cater and support any group or mass of people uh, that have a common uh, what uh, magnet or amalgam, you know, hold, holding the end of their orbit, a politician will support him because, hey, I'll get all of these votes at once. Yeah, <laughs> I've pandered at that. I don't have to go out and individually persuade people to reelect me. I will. Do, I will showcase to this particular group. Therefore, I will corral them all, and they will all vote for me. You've seen this happen mm -hmm. over the years. The Democrats are ingenious at it. Republicans. I'm sure would do it, but they're not smart enough to really pull it off. Mm. But anyway, I, I liken it unto what's going on here in this particular area, because you know they're all over the place, pushing constantly for one thing or another, this group. And I liken it to, to kids who found out that the school bully who had bullied them for years, once somebody takes a punch at him, he backs down, and you, we can bully him. And they bullied the hell out of him. <laughs> His life was going to be miserable. Yeah. And I think this is what's going on. To some extent, y y you can kind of understand that. But I think, you know, enough is enough already. It's time for everybody to sit down and shut up. In my opinion. Mm. But I, I thought it was very unfair of uh, Congressman Smith to get caught in that. Also, you see what happens, too. I mean, if this were simply an outcry of people saying, hey, I don't like that, stop it, go away, I won't vote for you anymore. But look what's happened, like, this morning, I think, to uh, Senator Ted Cruz, or happened over the weekend. He and his family went out for dinner in a restaurant, and they got assailed by a mob mm -hmm. who didn't like something. Not that he did, but again, it was kind of an opinion that was expressed. Yeah. And you see this more and more, the, uh, the actual physical conflagrations, confrontations, that are going Where on. has civility gone in our society? Uh, this is a very immature society. Uh, if I get what? Oh boy, here I'm going down different paths. But Arnold Toynbee, a great English historian, came up with his theory of history. I think the publication is probably back in the fifties when it came out. Uh, but it, it was new, and it, it's held to be true that cultures, societies, countries thrive when they are meeting a challenge. They only rise in response to challenge. Once they've met the challenge, they all go to seed. <laughs> and the people find out, as old, uh, yeah. the old Scottish uh, what historian said, once the people find out they can vote themselves the lion's share of the treasury, <laughs> the country goes, goes under. And this is pretty much where we are right now. But the, the point is, I think, for this generation, especially, there's no challenge except personal challenges to accumulate more stuff. 
This is the great stuff society. Yeah. You are known by it's like the stuff. George Carlin used to say, everybody's got to get stuff. Oh, good. Okay. I'm yeah. glad he did. Yeah. But uh, uh, he's right. But I, I think the uh, there is nothing. Well, for example, the Depression was a horrible. This is when we became the greatest country in the world was through challenge, the uh, Depression, which is terrible. We were up world against World War II. Mm-hmm. We were up against World it. War II. Mm-hmm. And even the Cold War to a certain extent. There was a challenge. Before that, there was opening the country to, uh, you know, as we went westward. Uh, and, and, and the Industrial Revolution and these things uh, that we had to adapt to. Now we don't have anything. Everybody's got everything they want. Uh, it's very hard, be very hard to walk out in the street and say, I'm going to starve myself. Mm. Can't do it. Even the poor, the very poor out there crying about how they are bedighted uh, or fat, many of them. Yeah. <laughs> so you, if you go into other countries and you find that ain't the way the poor people look. Yeah. But on the other hand, if you if ever been in a really poor country, the people smile and they, they seem to have a certain, uh, what, uh, ebullience about them and, mm. and, and and uh, and look at in this country, everybody is woe bedraggled, and I don't mean the very poor. Anybody making under six figures, you know, right? Figures, <laughs> figures that, that extra buck, yeah, yeah, that, that he has had it. But I mean, all this is another subject for another time. Yeah. But I think this is what's happened. So we do have almost two generations with no who have not lived with any concerted national challenge, which would get everybody on the same page. Now, believe me, in the depression, everybody was on the same page. You didn't have this this ridiculous stuff like a kid in school that I'd mentioned before, five year old or fifth grade, fifth grade, who got disciplined and suspended from school because the school teacher asked him a question and he answered by saying, yes, ma'am. I've never been able to figure out what was wrong with that. And then uh, somebody once uh, you, you get it. And, and these are people in academia who have, who have influence over our children, the next generation. Yeah. Here's a generation God knows has no challenge. Right. Except how to get up and down the stairs to mom and dad's basement, you know, to hang out until you're 50 years old. And as we record this, uh, the, the uh, nomination of Brett Kavanaugh is still uh, up in the balance. That is getting more and more ridiculous, more and more ridiculous. That's, that's one of the, the sleaziest political operations I, I've certainly that I've ever heard of. Now you got another one coming out, and I love this. This was published in the New Yorker, which generally has been a credible uh, journal. It was published in the New Yorker that he had uh, committed this rather lewd sex act on a woman at a party at Yale when he was uh, an undergraduate at Yale. A freshman or something like Hmm? that. Like a freshman, I think he was a freshman. Whatever, he was young, he was a kid, 17, 18 years old. He's supposed to have done this. Now, the thing is, when she was questioned about it, she didn't remember it. She didn't remember anything like that. But now she comes, and the whole thing seemed to be sort of petering out, except the New Yorker came on with the story and tried to stir it up again. But then, in spite of the fact that she was denying it until now, she says, well, you know, I didn't remember that. I had no recollection of that at all. Never heard of anything like that until I spent six days with my lawyers. And the six days she spent with her lawyers, she said, oh, yes, come to think of it. (laughs) Come to think of it, yeah. So... You wonder who's paying the lawyers, hmm. because six lawyers nowadays on that level ain't They're cheap. not working for free. They're not working for free. Uh, and it's, it, it's and no, somebody's come out now and said, oh, I have irrefutable proof. But this is some sleazy lawyer for, what's her name? The, the, oh, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the porn stripper. star, yeah, Stor- uh-huh. Stormy Daniels, uh, yeah, uh, Avenatti, yeah. Uh, and, and now he's got irrefutable proof, but he didn't say of what? Of a, of a third person. A third person, yeah. 
And somebody will say, well, I think when he was 12, he jaywalked. I mean, they are so desperate, and I don't know why. They're afraid they're going to lose abortion by, they say that this man along on the Supreme Court, that would be the end of the Roe v. Wade, which allowed it. No, there's been no indication of that, whatever. I don't think he could. I don't think they dare do it right now. But uh, they're so desperate to do that that they have to come up with this business. It's a horrible show. It's a horrible show. Yeah. And just to think that our lives are being controlled to a large extent by these people uh, with absolutely no conscience, no values, whatever, except basic hatred and the desire to, cons- to continue with one. I've not heard him criticized for anything else until, of course, all the sexual stuff came up. I, I think the thing that, that annoys me the most is the media bias oh, and the yeah. obsession that mm-hmm. the media has with this it, with this uh, story. Yeah. I mean, it's been front page for the last two and a half weeks. I mean, in the interim, we've had natural disasters in North Carolina. I think there's been a couple of fires out in California. Those stories are second and third in line. Oh, yes. They're getting buried in yes. these newscasts. Yes. And... But everyone just wants to knock this guy Kavanaugh down. Well, it's a game, and the game the media is playing is, can you top this? Look, what is media, what is the purpose of the major media, radio, television, newspapers? What is their number one agenda? uh, Money. 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 Audience. Money. Audience share. And the audience share is what gets you money. They don't care what happens to that. Get, so everybody has to do something sensational. See, they used to criticize people like Howard Stern and others for being, quote, shock jocks. But now that's perfectly normal. Uh, it's not shocking. And so you have to go beyond that. And you have to shock people. And you have to keep coming up with that so that you will attract listeners away from another media who's doing the same thing. Right. <laughs> you, you'll try to sort of drain off a few of theirs, and then you can show the advertising agencies. It's all money. And, and the sad thing is the audience is being duped. Well, the audience can't help it because where else are you going? Yeah. It's a damn shame because yeah. uh, journalists, journalism at one time was simply presenting what happened. Right. All of a sudden now, everybody who would consider himself a journalist is a commentator. Right, they're an opinionist. And yeah. opinions. Mm-hmm. And now you do not have journalists, as they had at one time. You have news stars. Mm. And so everybody's trying to be a star. Yeah. And so journalism has gone totally out the window, and along with the truth. Yeah. And so it's a bad situation. It's, it's a very sad situation. I don't, I, I see no way out of this. Uh, in the immortal words of those great American philosophers, the Cornelius Brothers and Sister Rose... It's too late to turn back now. I better go throw some cold water on myself. I think we'd all better yeah. and, and, and get ready. Yeah. Yeah. Don't come around my house with your PC stuff. <laughs> I'll set my puppies on <laughs> <laughs> Puppies might lick you into a stupor. Hey, have yourself a great week. Thank you, Bob. Thanks as always. Thanks for listening to the new Jim Gerhardt podcast. Still cooking and it's bigger than ever. From NJ1015.com.